Hey friend, really excited for this Portfolio Career Podcast episode with Stephen Worley. Curious, do you want to work for yourself? Like really? Like do the stuff and the work that you really want to do, that you care about? So Stephen is the founder of Life Skills That Matter. He's been happily unemployable for over 10 years because he's designed his own life. He's been doing this before, it's so much easier to do, so we should all be very grateful for Stephen's efforts. I know I am. He's on a mission to help you become self-employed. He has a over 250 episode podcast, he is a coach, he is a mastermind, soon to be author, and ultimately he's a friend. He has a one month accelerator program to go deep on your one year plan and system Enrollment closes in just a few days, January 15th. So go check it out if you're interested in becoming self-employed at lifeskillsthatmatter.com slash accelerator. This accelerator is for freelancers, consultants, content creators, teachers, course creators. Does that sound like you? It was an honor to be a coach in the podcast fellowship just a few weeks ago. And it's something that I plan on doing more of in 2019. So if you're interested and you think that Stephen or myself can help you out, please let us know. We talk about current work trends of being yourself. Yeah, really, being yourself. The importance of finding and serving a niche audience, ones that really care about you. Tactics for self-awareness like journaling to really find key themes in your work. His website is full of free content, great tips, and just a lot of great ways to get started. So tune in to build and grow your portfolio career. And as always, let me know what you think. Cool. Welcome to Portfolio Career Podcast. Your host, David Abinsky, is here with Stephen Worley. How's it going, Stephen? Awesome, David. So excited to talk to you before we jumped on. We were diving into some really deep pools of thought. I, I know, I know. And I said, hey, we need to start. We need to start recording. So there's people out there that need to hear this as well. So before we jump into what we talked about before, I'd love to give the audience, you know, just a little overview on who you are, Stephen. So if we were to go to an event tonight, how do you typically introduce yourself? I would say um, I'm Stephen and I help people work for themselves. And people are like, huh, well, like how or what? And then I would tell them that, well, I've been working for myself for 18 years and I believe Work is changing fundamentally as we've been taught, as we've learned, as we've grown up with this. And I believe it's going to look a lot more like self-employment within the next decade for the majority of uh, working Americans. And I also believe more people are capable of working for themselves than they have given themselves credit for. Okay. And what reaction most surprises you when you say that to people? I don't know if I get like the surprise anymore. What really is fun now, because I've, I've really just, I know every objection now because I've heard it so many times, right? So I've gotten really good about not gently being able to be with that person and to really understand their resistance or their fear or their, uh, the obstacle that they think that they can never surmount and, and showing them that there are infinite options. There's infinite alternatives. There's always a way forward. You just have to be curious, cultivate your curiosity to want to find it. So I think now it's really fun to leave somebody who is being like, I would never work for myself 
and 20 minutes later leaving them with like, huh, maybe I could. I just never thought I could. Mm. So let's give a little bit more context. So, so Stephen, you run a company called uh, a website called Life Skills That Matter. Yeah. And you're your coach and mastermind and soon to be um, author. And you you say that you've proudly been unemployed for unemployable for 15 years. Yeah. Well, I went I, I worked for myself for 18. I got laid off Election Day 2000. But it took me five years to accept that I was going to work for myself, even though I had been. Um, I always thought even during that time that I would go get a job because it was so that's what I realized, like how indoctrinated all of us are, even in America, you would think this great land of entrepreneurship, but the vast majority of us are just have been convinced the only thing we could ever do is to work for somebody else, you know, and when you really think about conventional employment really erodes a lot of our self-confidence. It's terrible. And so once I accepted you know, I was like, gosh, I'm pretty good at this. I'm making more money than my last job and I have more time than I used to. Why wouldn't I want to keep working like this? And that was the moment that I'm like, okay, I'm an entrepreneur. This is fun. I'm making money. I'm going to keep doing it. And that's when I became happily unemployable. I mean, I, I literally, David, I, I'm not lying. There is no scenario that I see that that I could ever work for somebody in the traditional sense ever again. I, to me, I've been out of it so long. It seems like an insane way to live your life. Mm. Okay. So walk me through an example. If I believe you and I want to be self-employed, what are some next steps to identify how I could do that? How I could live the life that I want, learn new skills, work on interesting projects, solve interesting problems by being myself in whatever definition myself is. Yeah. And that's one of my, another one of my crazy ideas. I just <laughs> want, I believe everybody has the potential to get paid for just being themselves, right? Whoa. What does that mean? Cause when you really think about it, most of us feel like we have to be somebody else in order to be accepted in order to be chosen to get a job, to get money. So we'll feel safe and secure and we can live and not die. Right. And I often say one of the, there's four fundamental trends changing work. And one of them is our mass market is disintegrating into infinite niches. So it is now becoming less valuable to fit in and it's becoming more valuable to stand out. And, and you need a fewer, a smaller base of customers or clients to sustain yourself than you did in the past. Because of the internet, we can really connect with these people. You can really attract the people who are really in to what you do, your version of doing it. Like there's only one version of you, David, ever to walk this earth. This is our only shot of ever getting to experience you. That's how rare you are. But when you think about the 150 years of industrial capitalism, we've been viewed as nothing more than interchangeable inputs, even today and in many businesses, many industries. And then we feel like we're not never good enough. We always have to change. So that's this idea. So how do we start that process? And that's why I had the crazy idea of calling, you know, at the end of the day, I'm helping people work for themselves. Why on earth would I call this business life skills that matter? Why would I teach people life skills? Because that's where you got to start. I always remind people that you are the first resource of your business and you are also its biggest obstacle. You're the first resource because you're the one who is going to be the common denominator of every single decision that you're going to make for your business, no matter how big it gets. And you better know yourself because that's the funny thing. When you work for yourself, when you think about it, Debbie, you're, you're 
tiring yourself. But the interesting thing that you cannot do compared to everybody else that you hire in your business or potentially will hire, you can't fire yourself. So the only other path is you have to deal with yourself. So again, we have an entire educational system, conventional work system that is constantly telling us how to be somebody that we really aren't. And what I'm saying is we have to figure out is we have to get, we, we're going external. We're always looking for permission from somebody else to tell us how to live our lives and how to survive and how to get better. But we, we need to really look within. We need to like all those answers are inside of us. I know that sounds so corny. I know that sounds super annoying, but I'm going to tell you how to find this and how it's going to be fun. I always remind people there's tons of skills you can learn in life, but the most important skill, the most important life skill is self-awareness. That is the school, the skill, that is the, the skill that gives you the ability to learn about yourself. So think about it, David, in your entire life, has anybody taught you how to learn about yourself systematically? Nope. Never done. That should be a course in class from kindergarten all the way through. Never taught us. We are never, at the end of the day, we are taught to obey and consume. And I'm, I'm seeing an emerging world where we need to start questioning and creating, right? And we got to think for ourselves. We have to know for ourselves because one of the other things that's changing, fundamentally changing work is we are in a permanent state of change and that's accelerating. So you can't learn something. You can't learn a process anymore because it's going to change within months or maybe a year. So you actually have to be able to think for yourself and be able to respond to change and come up with what are we going to do next? How are we going to address this? How are we going to respond? So self-awareness is this skill. It's the, the way to think about this. I think sometimes people think about it as self-judgment and it's not that at all. It's about somebody watching you and I interact with each other right now, or somebody's in the, the, your room with you and just observing that you did something, you reacted to something, you did something, and then there was a result. And all you need to ask yourself in a self-awareness capacity is this thing happened. I responded or reacted in this way. And this was the result. Now, if you have this goal, what you have to ask yourself is if I react that way to that trigger all the time, and I'm getting this result, is it in alignment with the goal I want or is it not? And it's not about saying that it's good or it's bad or it's productive or unproductive. It's just about saying, is this where I want to go with my life? So if, a lot of times I have to say in the past, I might've had a few too many beers, especially in my New York days. I know you live in New York now. And uh, now I would say I drink a lot less because it's not in alignment with my mission of helping as many people as possible work for themselves, right? I just want to conserve my energy. I'm going to maintain my focus. I still like my beer, but I just drink a lot less of it now. <laughs> so that is something that I've been aware of. And it's a practice. This is something that's always ongoing. So, and, and I, you know, go through this in our 30 day accelerator. We actually have a self 12 week self-assessment challenge. You could check out at lifeskillsatmatter.com slash challenge where we just focus on all these different aspects of your life that you can learn about. We can go into a couple of them if you're interested. Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to learn a couple examples. Yeah. One, I think that people often overlook is, is your energy. Really I'm increasingly more and more, everything is kind of coming back to like, where our energy, my energy comes from, how I manage it, how it's used, uh, because that's really like one of our most limited personal resources. We always think it's about time management, but I always remind people, you might be awake for, our, for around 16 hours a day, but every one of those hours is not equal in terms of your available energy. Do you agree or disagree with me, David, on that? I agree. And I, I always thought it was, it's been interesting when people say, 
you have high energy or low energy. And I've always been like, well, what does that mean? And people increasingly have been saying that in the professional context too, which is really fascinating. That's another thing that wasn't taught or isn't really mentioned as a skill. So I love where you're going with this. Yeah. And it, the fascinating thing is, so let me ask you another question. To do your your best work, your like toughest, most challenging mental work, about how many hours a day of available energy, that high quality energy, do you think you have available to you? So I think that I probably have five hours available. Okay. That's a better answer than most people would say. Some people still say eight to 10. I'm like, you're crazy. <laughs> From my research, from I was also a history major. I've read tons of biographies. I was was really into how people live their lives. And I've interviewed over 500 entrepreneurs in my ex- personal experience. It's about three to four hours a day. That's it. Mm. And it's counterintuitive because then we have kind of this, this mindset still in American capitalism, which is being perpetuated by Silicon Valley, that the way to make it, you got to hustle. You got to brute force. It's willpower. You just got to keep working at it. You know what I mean? You got to keep putting in those 100 hour weeks. I will tell you one thing. Somebody's worked for himself for 18 years. I've never worked a 100 hour week. And I often am very skeptical of the people who do because they're not getting high quality work done all the time. I've organized my day. So I understand I happen to be more of a morning person. So my high quality time is seven in the morning to 11 in the morning. So that's when I do a lot of my content creation on my writing, working on trainings. And then the rest of the day, it's not that I'm not working, but I'm doing things like I just love people. I love connecting with people and aging. So that actually does not take me as much energy. So I spend really most of the rest of the day doing that, sending emails, doing interviews like this, um, meeting people, having conversations. And that's also one of the key ways that I learn how to learn. So that is like, because a lot of times people are like, I can never work for myself because I have no idea how I would organize my day. Well, the first step to organize your day is understand what I call your peak performance period. What's that three to four hour window when you have our highest quality energy? It might be at night for you. It might be split two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, whenever it is. You have to know that and defend it and reserve it for your most important work. It's not time to be looking at email, social media, and doing what I call productive procrastination stuff. It's about doing the real work that needs to get done that's really going to move you forward. Mm. Okay. And so going back to that three to four hours, yeah. what are some what are some interesting roles to you and or like high value skills that people could utilize in those time periods to say, I'm really good at these types of things. Now I can have these types of jobs and, and build a self-employed business around that. Like, I think that that's something for me has always been kind of challenge. And what I hear from other friends too, is like, it's hard for them to really identify what is one thing that they could do or what is the one or two things that they could really do to have a lifestyle that they want because of this one skill. Yeah, just kind of like how how do people become more self-employed sure. um, and un- understand what they could, uh, you know, what clients they could serve and yeah. Yeah, and, and it's these the three most important life skills. We already talked about self-awareness, really starting to get to know yourself and, you know, you know, all of your personal resources, what your potential is, you know, I mean, gosh, we could do endless podcast episodes about that. There's really a lot to know. Mm-hmm. The next thing is, Outreach, connecting with other people. Humans were evolved to work with each other, to hang with each other. That's how we learn is we learn faster and better with each other. And then finally, it's your curiosity. It's recognizing when you're being curious and and capturing it and really promoting it. Mm. So that when you are thinking about an opportunity, first you have to say like, what am I good at? What am I naturally like good at? What's the thing like looking back at life? 
I've always been known as like, ask David for this or ask Stephen for that. You know, that's kind of that step one, you know, and, and also what do I naturally like doing all the time? You know, I, I've always loved talking to people, so it's not a shocker that I'm a podcaster <laughs> and that I'm a trainer for a living. Cause it's what I've always been like. Mm. Uh, and then I have always loved researching as a history major. So I always love researching kind of now ahead, looking ahead at, you know, this next opportunity is how his work is fundamentally changing. How can I help people respond to it? And so, so then it's kind of knowing like there's kind of like those natural skills, skills that are innate in you that you kind of were born with. And you can also just think about how you used to play as a kid for some clues about what some of those natural talents might be. And then also acquired skills. You know, there were skills that you learned or maybe things that you were good at, but you got even better because yeah. you went, you know, if you were already a natural athlete, but then you had coaches and you had all their kinds of trainings and guidance that would be kind of, you know, you would enhance that natural ability by acquiring more skills. But sometimes acquired skills, it could be like coding, it could be like marketing, writing, whatever it is, things that you got pretty good at. And so that's kind of your body of like, what am I good at? What could I, what's that thing that I could see myself doing day in and day out? Because I think that's really challenging nowadays. People are like, oh my gosh, I don't want to just do the same thing all the time. Like, yeah, I get it. I get it. But there's, there's different variations of that skill and there's different ways to express it, but you still have to kind of be get better and better at one thing. So that way people know that you are really good at this one thing and they'll want to pay you for it. So that's one area. Then you have to say like, what's a problem I want to solve or who are people I want to help or what's a feeling I want to address like there. So for me, like I'm a trainer, I love meeting people, but I found a problem to solve, which is, wow, work is really changing. How do I help people through this transition? So there's infinite problems I can solve with my skills as a conversationalist, as a researcher, as a trainer, right? But then I found a problem that I was really passionate about solving that really fired me up, that really hit home for me as somebody who had been laid off and felt like this cannot be the only way to work. Mm. Finally, you have to go out into the world and somebody has to have to, has to have that problem, right? And they have to be willing to pay you a certain amount of money for it, right? So I have found something that it's painful enough or people are frustrated enough to saying, yes, Stephen, I would love to pay, have you help me understand how do I go from being an employee to self-employed? And this is how I came up with our accelerator program to like accelerate that transition for them. So you have to find that thing because a lot of times I work with a lot of creative people as well, artists who are like, I just want to do my work. I just want to do my art. I just want to express myself, right? I get it. But at the end of the day, you have to have a group of people that you're doing this for that sees the value in what you're doing, really appreciates it, and they're willing to pay you money for it. You got to go find those. So those are those kind of those three pieces of like your, your natural skills, your acquired skills, that problem that you're really excited about solving, and then finding people who are willing to pay you to have that problem solved. That's how you find it. It takes a while. It's a process. You got to experiment. And that's what we don't do enough of because our entire conventional system and our school system is all about seeking permission. And that is not going to work anymore. Not in the economy that we're moving into. You have, we have to be, think more like scientists and be more like artists and try stuff faster and faster and more and more. Like when I did my very first podcast, I did 20 episodes the first month and people are like, you are crazy. Why would you do that? And I'm like, why wait? 20 weeks to learn about 
what I can learn in one month by doing 20 episodes. And they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Because we, our brain craves certainty. And when we're learning something for the first time, we're not getting results right away. And that's really frustrating to our brain, but we have to go through that learning curve. So that's why I'm a big believer in doing habit sprints, learning sprints, you know, whether it's 30 days or 60 days, just to say, okay, I just got to keep experiencing this thing because I'm just not good at it. And I got to figure out how to keep getting better and better at it. And I know I'm definitely going to be better at this than, uh, you know, after 30 days or 60 days than when I started. And then I could decide if I want to keep going or get better at this. And that's what we don't do enough for ourselves. We want those immediate results. And what I always tell people, you got to focus on the habits first. You have to focus on your curiosity first. You just look at it as an experiment. And instead of looking at like, oh, this didn't work. Oh, I made a mistake. It's just like, oh, that's interesting that that happened. What if I do this? What if I do that? And it's just kind of just changing our mindset a little bit. We are just, as a society, we're just too caught up in immediate gratification. And we really have to get caught up in learning. Mm. And I think going back to you said self-awareness is is so important and something that we don't do or weren't trained to do or taught to do. Is this another reason why you're a strong proponent of, of journaling? Yeah, 100%. So glad that you brought that up. You know me. You've been, you've been doing your research on me, and I appreciate that, my friend. <laughs> because uh, a lot of times people are like, well, how do I practice self-awareness? And I do believe one of the best go-to exercises is to do some sort of daily writing habit. And a lot of times when people hear the word of journaling, it's kind of like the walls go up. I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to journal. That seems overwhelming. Or, you know, I don't want to just write about all my thoughts. There's lots of different ways to do this. You know, you can free write. You can um, just track something. I actually regard that as a form of writing. If there's one area of your life that you want to change or get to know better, you can track different things about that. Observe like a scientist over a period of time. You could uh, also answer prompts. I actually have a daily growth journal where there's four questions I encourage people to ask themselves every single day. The first one is, um, what did I learn about myself today? Whether it was good or bad. What uh, did I learn in terms of what I want to try to get better at in terms of my business, my craft, a skill that I'm trying to get better. What did I learn today? Even if it's something small, um, did I meet somebody new today? That idea that we got to constantly be building up our community and people are going to help us learn and, and get better is what we want to do and help us learn about ourselves. And then finally, did I create something today? That idea of just getting to this habit of being, you know, experimenting and just trying stuff. And so those are a couple of, even if you're, or sometimes you don't want to write, you just, you're more visual. You want to, we've had people on our accelerators that actually do a lot of doodling, do a lot of drawing to like, just kind of like get it out of your head. The idea of writing is to connect with your thoughts and get them out into the physical world. It's kind of like releasing your thoughts from the prison of your mind and getting them out into the world and actually seeing them on a screen or a piece of paper just takes on a, literally a different perspective. So you can see them in a different way. I always tell people, especially when you're trying to get over fears, like one of the go-to exercises is just write down all of your fears and just writing them down on a paper and reading them back to yourself automatically weakens them to some degree. Cause you're like, I cannot believe I'm afraid of this as I'm writing this. It's kind of funny. And that's when we can start looking at things in different ways. And the other thing I love about journaling, especially if you do it over a period of time, this gives us an opportunity to actually connect with our subconscious mind. You can actually start to see patterns in your thinkings and your thoughts that might not immediately pop up into your conscious mind or when you're thinking so hard about stuff. And you can actually learn about yourself in a deeper way. 
um, because you're like, gosh, I can't believe I'm always writing about this or woo, this, this thing seems to be really be bothering me because I'm writing a lot about it over the last month. And, and there's times I've actually broken out an Excel spreadsheet, David, especially if I feel like I'm having a lot of negative thoughts, I actually write down these negative thoughts as they come up the time of day, who they were about or who I was with, where I was, what I thought the trigger might be. And then I look at them on a week to week basis to see like, how do I close that loop? Is it, do I have to have a conversation with somebody? Do I need to reframe my mindset in some way? Or is it just a simple solution that I've been overlooking to solve that problem? And because the idea is that your brain, you're, basically your brain is working in such a way that it's constantly trying to conserve energy. I'm not sure if you knew this, David, but from what I've researched, about 25% of the glucose that you consume every day in your body, your sugars, goes to the function of your brain. So every time you're having an emotion, you're having a thought, you're stressed out about something, your brain is burning calories more than just walking around. And so you want to, if you can offload these things into a journal, you're going to start seeing some of the patterns. You're going to start to see your thought patterns in different ways and being able to help yourself so that way you can conserve your energy and be a little bit calmer as you move through life. It's fascinating. And, and so... Let's just take me for an example. So I, I've journaled on and off. A lot of the, the problem I have is mostly that I'd rather do or act or move or create or connect than, you know, than start writing. And then I'm like, and then I guess I don't have a good practice of going back and reflecting on the journaling. Is that like, what kind of advice would you have for me who's who doesn't really see as much of the value, especially considering my on and off journaling uh, tactics? Well, number one, I don't think on and off journal is necessarily a bad thing. Cause I, I, so I do it in lots of different ways. I write notes on my phone or I have that Excel spreadsheet. I do my daily prompts or sometimes I do. I am in a habit when I'm going through it. I, when I really write every day in an actual journal with a pen and paper is when I'm going through a tough time and I just really need to get it out and process it. So it helps me do that faster. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. What we don't do enough though is self-reflection, which is another aspect of self-awareness. So a lot of us, especially in society, because things are changing so fast, we feel like we all have to keep up with that change and keep going faster and faster. But what's happening is many of us are running around like with our heads are cut off like a chicken and we are running so fast in a direction that we've never stopped to ask ourselves, is this still the same direction I want to go in? Hmm. And we're getting more and more miserable, more and more anxious, more and more overwhelmed. So another way to do this, if you don't want to to actually write, I, I think sometimes it's writing because you're having a conversation with yourself is to at least schedule some self-reflection time with yourself on a weekly basis, at least to stop, do something on your own, whether you're going to go for a walk, you're going to go to your favorite coffee shop and not do anything else, nothing with your screen, just think, stare out a window, whatever. Maybe you're going to have a conversation with a trusted friend or family member or colleague that you want to be able to talk about stuff with, but we need to start slowing down. That's what one of the coolest things about um, Thomas Freeman's latest book, which I was, the name is escaping me, um, where he was talking about just how fast the world uh, it's not his latest book. He wrote it a few years ago, but just one of the premises of the book, how fast the world is moving, that one of the counterintuitive things that we need to do is we need to stop more now. So that way, when you stop, things are still flying by you, but you can kind of get a sense about 
what you're consuming, what the patterns look like, how you feel about things before you jump back in. And that's going to make you stronger and more intentional about how you want to move and navigate through and respond to that change. And that's what we're not doing enough of. We're, we're reactive. And I would say that's one of the number, another great self-awareness exercise is just for one day. I'm actually, it's funny as I'm saying this, David, I have these notes written all over my wall and the one right in front of me says, respond, don't react. And it's one of the things I say to myself every single day, because as animals, we're letting the instinctual part of our brain just kind of take over. We're just constantly reacting, whether it's like, we're really angry, we're really sad, we're really happy. Instead of saying, as we can practice that self-awareness, that self-reflection and tap the brakes, even if we could just count to two, that's giving ourselves the chance for our subconscious mind to say, hold on a second, let's connect here, let's respond. Because a lot of times when we react, we just waste time, we're wasting energy, it gets us really off track, it might tick somebody off, and we've all been there. Mm -hmm. But if we can just take the time to respond and say, what is it that I really want to have happen here? What's going to be a better response to get this over more quickly or more productively or to create more of a win-win situation rather than just reacting. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? It does very much so. And I'd love to talk a little bit more about the accelerator, but you know, could you maybe speak to, let's say we have somebody that's listening that is uh, works at a you know startup or a fortune 500 company and they think that they have a good job and they're like, oh, you know, everything's okay. Why should they, you know, are you able to speak to why they should really consider being self-employed? Well, number one, I, 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 I'm a firm believer of like, you gotta do, you gotta, you gotta do what works for you. And I still think there's the role for jobs because there's always going to be some sort of conventional esque type of employment in the world. Even if you are going to be in a conventional employee, you're going to have to start thinking more like a self-employed per person hate to tell you that, but that's true because you're going to have to make more and more decisions. Corporations want people to make more decisions now because things are changing so fast. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and, and the more rigid that they have that hierarchy of command and control structure, it's just going to make them less competitive and slower. So they, it's, it's just economically more beneficial to get more of their employees to think for themselves. So if you can look at your job again, just like if you, even if you're self-employed, it's that self-reflection. Every quarter, you should you should say, like, what are my goals for the next quarter? Am I still learning here? Am I still challenging myself? Is there a new project I, sh I should be looking at? Are there new people I can meet? And when you get to that point, even if you're self-employed and you're like, I'm not growing anymore, I'm kind of bored, I'm coasting here, that's when you need to, like, kind of call yourself out and say, like, and, and I do believe we need different periods of our life to coast and reflect and have some downtime. I've gone through those. David, I think you probably have gone through some of those. I think those are important because that's where that ref it's a great reflective time to really understand where you want to go next. But if you are not challenging yourself, that is detrimental to your career over the long term. You always want to be learning a new skill. I've seen research where people who are employees versus the self-employed, self-employed people I think are like twice or three times as more likely to constantly be learning new skills as somebody who's employed. Because when you're employed, you feel you're all safe in the system. You're in the hierarchy. You have to worry about meeting new people because you got your job. You just got to do your thing, go in, go out, right? But when you're self-employed, I always tell people, it's kind of like you're out in the jungle. Like I got kicked out of the zoo. You know, the zoo is is conventional work where there's a nice structure that, you know, the zookeeper comes around, gives you your food, you know, on a regular basis, you know, everything is clear cut about what you're allowed to do, not to do, you know, you're kind of miserable, but it's really familiar and it's kind of safe or you think it's safe. 
when you get kicked out into the jungle, you are going to freak out for like a year, you know, which is self-employment. But then you start really learning these skills and all the time because you're having to survive every single day. But then it becomes a lot less stressful because it just come, becomes part of how you live your life. And that's the place I am now that I, every time you get a new job, you're having to learn somebody else's system. You're having to learn the new rules of the next zoo. But when you just get kicked out into the jungle, you just have to learn the laws of the jungle you know, and, and over a couple of years, and then that's it. Those are the laws of the jungle. And you're going to be more responsive to all that change that's going on. Like I always tell people, I just feel and see things coming faster now in the economy because I'm always out here having to constantly meet new people, look for new opportunities, challenge myself. It never ends. You know, I, I'm probably challenging myself more than I was 20 years ago when I was starting my career because I know how important it is. So somebody at the very least, somebody who's listening to us right now is like, I have a job. I'm really happy. I don't think I ever want to work for myself. I will say this to you. You want to have a plan B. And I also call that your career insurance. If you should lose your job and you couldn't get a job right away, like it, like me, like when I got laid off, I was in, it was 2000, the New York media world. It was kind of like a depression. There was like no one hiring in the media world. And I never faced anything like that before. So if you didn't get a job for six months or even a year, what would you do? You're just going to sit around and complain that you can't get a job. And that's the other thing we got to challenge ourselves. We have to stop blaming other people for saying that I can't work. You can work without getting paid. I'm not recommending this, but a lot of times when you're becoming self-employed, that's actually what you're doing. You're experimenting, you're creating, you're kicking the tires. You're going to have to do work without getting paid. And I think that's the delusion of the conventional work system that I'm only going to work when I get paid. And that's not really reality, in my opinion. And I think that's something that we have to be thinking about. And I know that's depending on where you are, which level of the socioeconomic scale you are in society, that can be very challenging. And I get that. And I think that's a whole other larger conversation about what we need to do as a society to help more people be able to work for themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the accelerator, the 30-day accelerator starting up a couple of weeks. Are you able to speak to some success stories um, of prior accelerators? Yeah, I was really excited this time. Uh, we had 20 people in our fall accelerator and uh, five people before the accelerator even ended got new clients. And I mean, I did in a couple of them, honestly, I didn't even think that they were going to have new clients because they were so early on in their process. But doing all the different exercises and habits and strategies that we advise them, they made it happen. And that's the whole idea behind this accelerator. Again, your brain is afraid of things and we have fear because your brain thinks it's protecting itself and something like self-employment a lot of times people immediately are like oh my gosh i could never do that because um your brain's like that's so unfamiliar don't even do it it seems too complicated and what we do is we break it down and that's where we have people work on a year-long strategic plan so you know what you're going to do for the next year we also do it as a live group coaching program so that way again humans were evolved to work together even when you're working on your own things you're going to accelerate so much faster by hearing other people's struggles and other people's successes and how you can help each other and then finally it's all about habits i know on the internet the internet is littered with hacks and how to do quick, you know, shortcuts for this and get rich quick schemes um, all over the place. And it's just not true. You got to do the hard work and it's all about habits. And and that's something that we really hone in on. What are those key habits to really accelerating the transformation of your business? And we do it in 30 days to like really take over your life. Like, you know, on average, the people that we work with spent about two years thinking about working for themselves. And we're like, stop thinking about it. Just do it already. Right. And generally, we're working with people who want to teach something because we believe everybody 
really knows something and you can make money from that, whether it's as, as a coach, as a consultant or a course creator. Mm, okay. All right. Well, Stephen. And if you want to get more information, go to lifeskillsthatmatter.com slash accelerator. Love it. Love it. Okay. And then Stephen, as you think about kind of your portfolio career and, and some of the work that you've done, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about here that we didn't get the chance to talk about? I would just also say, look back at your career. There is what I call, there's always a thread to your career. There is an essence. You have a natural tendency toward how you move through the world, things that you like to do, people you like to interact with. You might have been, and I do believe, I love what you're doing here, David. I love this idea of a portfolio career, especially if you're looking to make a pivot in your career. You want to do lots of different experiments really quickly just to get a feel for like, do I like this or, or not? But you really want to look through that thread for your career to be to say like, gosh, it's so funny. I end up, no matter what situation I am, I end up always end up doing this or that. So I was a history major because I loved writing papers. I loved doing projects. And I went into media because, again, I loved creating content. My last business was a sales training business. But I didn't do it as a strategist or a consultant. I did it as a trainer. And I had a whole online business because I like creating content. And, again, most of my business today is creating content. So there was always that theme in my career of content and conversations. So kind of look through that thread of your career. And that's going to pro provide you some insights because sometimes you might be thinking like, I have so many different interests. How could I do all this stuff? But at the end of the day, there's really that one thing that you do. And that's your version of no matter when you were going to be born or what industry you were in, what society you're going to be born in, that you, you naturally gravitated toward life in a certain way. Love it. Okay. And uh, Stephen, what's the best way for our listeners to follow up with you? Um, you can go to lifeskillsthatmatter.com uh, slash get started. Have a whole bunch of free resources over there. Ask me a question anytime. Just go to the bottom of our page, click on questions. Um, I'll, I also, I'm most active on Twitter. And uh, yeah, any way I can help you move through your transition from employment to self-employment, let me know. Love it. Thank you so much, Stephen. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. 